0: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is an engineer, a councilwoman, and also the founder of Boom Speaks and Boom Productions, Ms. Deshaun Joseph. Thank you for joining me.
1: No, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here tonight.
0: Listen, I, after watching your video on YouTube, it's, it's an honor to have you.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now you got to tell the people what the video is, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so the video we that I saw, um, matter of fact, shout out to uh, Charles Jackson Media. I said his name correct, right?
1: Yep, that's his name. Mm-hmm.
0: Charles Jackson Media. He's responsible for shooting the video. He posted it on YouTube, and it was about colorism.
1: Ooh, colorism?
0: How did you How did you get involved with that project?
1: Um, so believe it or not, um, Charles and I work together, and we actually um, we sit on this African American Employee Resource Group, and we did a count, We did a um, I want to say a, a employer based type podcast on imposter syndrome, I believe it was, and I was one of his panel guests. Um, and you know how some people you just have synergy with, you know. So after you know after that podcast, we kind of kept in touch, and he. He realized I was a speaker and I kind of do all this. And he's actually writing a book, which I know he cannot wait to tell you about. Um, And I ended up contributing to one of the chapters in his book, specifically on colorism. And once he read it, he was like, oh, okay, I got to get you on because people need to hear exactly your viewpoint on colorism um, and how it has affected you even into your adult years. So that's really how we kind of connected and decided to actually go deeper into colorism but yeah that is that's our story of how I kind of got on that podcast
0: you mentioned because I listened to the interview again it was a great interview and you mentioned like the different situations and issues that you had to deal with um, being a darker skinned woman was it hard to write about those experiences
1: you know what It wasn't because I am in a point in my life where I am standing on my story, not standing in my story. And I think that is very, very important. Sometimes, still going through things we're still trying to figure it out but we feel like we need to speak on it and there's a difference there's really a difference between standing on your story and standing in it now if we would have did that interview um you know when i was an adolescent it would have been a completely different type of video because i was still kind of working through it and still trying to understand exactly what that means um but i'm i'm actually glad and proud as an adult and really doing the research on colorism, that's how I became an expert in it. Actually, I wanted to understand it more so that my emotions weren't just leading me as I talked about that subject. Um, But now I'm actually standing on the story. So I can actually say it because it's like, I went through it, (laughs) I'm not in it anymore. Um, But the research, it really helped. On on that episode, I talked about how I did my senior thesis on colorism. Um, I grew up in New Orleans, so colorism is very prevalent in New Orleans. And that senior thesis really changed my life because for the first time i was able to understand it for what it was um and really navigate through it now having an understanding that it it was an issue that really didn't have much to do with me right like it wasn't personal it was really some psychological you know effects of slavery that we were all dealing with and that i think as a as a child i needed to i needed to understand that i needed to read that i needed to to learn that um, and that has helped me kind of, you know, move through it as an adult. So no, thank goodness. It's not, it's not hard, quote unquote, hard for me to speak about it. Does it still, you know, concern me? Absolutely. Do I still, you know, hurt when I see people go through it and, and, and try to navigate through it, you know, even as adults? Absolutely. But I am so happy that I'm able to kind of speak to it from a, a place of empathy and a place of understanding, not a place, um, you know, fully fueled by emotion. So.
0: At what at what age or point in your life did you get comfortable with being a dark skin woman?
1: Believe it or not, I started to gain confidence like my senior year in high school. Like I said, right around that time when I started doing that project, um, that senior thesis. That's when I really started to kind of like, okay, you know, there is nothing wrong with me. You know, everybody else is tripping, kind of <laughs> is what I was, was thinking. But I really started to operate in my power when I went to college. I actually went away to Virginia for school. I live in Virginia, but Virginia was my my first place outside of New Orleans and Texas. And when I got to Virginia, um, Norfolk State to be exact, that's when I got a full understanding of the full spectrum of beauty from uh, African-American perspective. Um, I saw all shades, all types. And most importantly, I saw kind of the love that everybody had for everyone, not dependent on just your skin tone. So I really, really, really operated in my power um, in college. That's when I really was like unapologetically like, oh, this is me. But it did. It did take a while and it just matured as I began to mature. But it really started my senior year. I would say of high school, yeah.
0: You mentioned that you were um, you were from uh, New Orleans, and you attended Norfolk Norfolk State University. What made you decide to go to Norfolk State?
1: Ha, that is such a good question. So, believe it or not, the um, president of the high school at that time went to my, I mean, the president of the college, excuse me, went to my high school in New Orleans. So she recruited a couple of us to come and visit. And um, I was an honor student and pretty, pretty um you know into my studies so I was one of the I want to say maybe four or five that were chosen and you know I just went just to go I did not want to go to Virginia I was going to go to Clark Atlanta and I was going to major in mass communications because I was going to be a music video director and I wanted to change the face of dark-skinned women in music videos that was my plan um so of course long story short I go to Virginia it's cute I'm like okay great um get back home I'm like I'm still going to Clark Atlanta to make a long story even shorter, um, Norfolk State was really interested in me because of my ACT scores. And I did not get the presidential scholarship because there was like some sort of miscommunication between my guidance counselor and the school. So, you know, I'm waiting for all of my college acceptance letters. And, you know, my mom was like, well, just call Norfolk State and see what's going on. And that's when they told me about that miscommunication. But Um, I think the president got wind of it and they called me back and they were like, well, you know, we have this, this full academic scholarship, um, but it's for STEM. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I don't want to do STEM. I kid you not. My mom (laughs) heard that conversation. We have a three-story house in New Orleans. She heard that from the third floor before I could even hang up the phone. My mom was like by my side and was like, excuse me, you have a, a full academic what? And um she basically took the phone and was like, so, so what, oh, she can choose from these majors. Oh, okay, okay. And my mom literally wrote down the majors and was like, pick one. And I was like, are you kidding me? She said, pick one. So I'm like, okay, I like computers, I like engineering. I'm like, let me just get my mom to leave me alone. I'll, I'll pick this or whatever. Um the, the scholarship ended up coming back full ride. And my mom said, look, this is the opportunity of your life, of a life, right? You can always do music videos and video production and mass communications. Hear my heart when I say that doesn't have to go away. But you need to do this because this teaches you how to think versus how to just do. And, you know, my mom is not an engineer. She's an accountant by trade. So just to appease her, I did it. And it was a long journey, but I'm so glad she kind (laughs) of... Stuck her head in my business because that was the most beautiful thing I could have done, right? I would have never um, done STEM, to be perfectly honest, if it wasn't for her kind of pushing me toward it. And I stayed because I actually did love it. So I might have gotten engaged for the wrong reason, right? But I stayed for the right reason. And that's why I think I talk on STEM so much because STEM didn't interest me because I didn't see anybody that I was interested in being that was in STEM, right? Um, And that's part of what we're dealing with now with this whole STEM culture and you can't be what you can't see. And I always tell people it is so much deeper than, than skin tone and ethnicity and gender. I didn't see anybody that looked interesting to me because there was just this stereotypical person that was an engineer. Once I got into engineering and realized that, oh, this is a plethora uh, of personalities people like this is cool I can literally create like I literally am taking something from just my thought and turning it into something tangible I was hooked but it did take my mama <laughs> getting in my business um and a full academic scholarship to really push me there which is why I know it's a part of my purpose in calling because you know I couldn't make this stuff up right like had never thought about engineering and ended up Having multiple degrees in it and have paid for none of them. So, listen, uh, <laughs> listen. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the best part.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Do you, so. You said you didn't you didn't see anybody. What? What? Because you didn't really see anyone that looked like you. But you did go to a HBCU. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that decision helped you because it was because you actually were pursuing a career with people who look just like you.
1: I think so it was one of two things. I'm I'm not really competitive, but I don't like being underestimated. So it was one of those I got into my classes and I was the minority of the minority because think about it, we're all marginalized in some way shape or form, right? You can stick us in a room with with all black people and we're there's still going to be some sort of minority within that group and then there's a minority within a minority. So One thing I didn't like about engineering is I was usually the only female in a lot of my classes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, And then when I I moved into computer engineering, I really became the only female um, in a lot of my classes. So I kind of took that a little bit as a challenge um, because I'm like, okay, you know, women can think too. You know, I was doing very well in my classes. I was, you know, really just always not even different, not even having different thoughts than my male counterparts. It was just I saw things differently. And even in college, I didn't quite know how to articulate that, but I knew, no, no, Deshaun, you're not, it's not that you got it wrong. You're just thinking differently. I'm I'm so grateful that I never had the mindset that I was wrong. Um, so that kind of really, really, really pushed me towards it. And what really really honestly got me to stay is when I realized there was this entire world that I just did not know of, of women in engineering. I just had no clue. So I know I said earlier, I wasn't interested because I didn't really see anybody not necessarily that looked like me, but that were interested in things like me. Once I got into the engineering world, I realized how false that was, right? I saw women all the time that were interested in multiple things outside of engineering. There were women of cosmetic companies. There were women that were creating technologies to do facial recognition. There were a lot of cool things happening. It was just almost like a secret. And I didn't really like the fact that it was a secret. I'm like, well, why do people not know about this? And, and why is this not being shared? So it really opened a world that I saw was just hidden, for a lack of, of a better phrase, right? And I was like, well, we need to tell people because I didn't know about this. And I'm one of those people, when I don't, when I find out about something, I want to tell everybody, right? Which, which is a good and a bad thing. But um, that really, really helped, one, get me to stay engaged in it because it felt like I was a part of this this thing that not everybody knew about but two it also really engaged me to kind of be the voice because there are typically not a lot of extroverted engineers so we thought back then but there really are it's just you know you kind of had to let them know that this world was welcoming for them as well Um, So I got to just basically learn a lot about what was going on. And I learned and unlearned a lot about engineering, which was very, very, very interesting to me. So that really, I guess the HBCU definitely helped, but I was a little bit more challenged by the fact that I was the only, the only girl in a lot of classes that, that to me was like, okay, I can't quit. (laughs) Like I won't quit.
0: Were you ever intimidated?
1: absolutely not I wasn't because so imposter syndrome is real right we all get it it's in and for those that aren't familiar with the term it's when you just have this this internal dialogue that everyone is smarter than you and you just got there on a whim so we all go through that um and I, and I of course I, I went through that as you know a collegiate student but the more i I was a little bit more outspoken and the more I really talked to people, And ask questions, like asking questions is my superpower now. I realized a lot of people really didn't know anything either, but they just knew how to sound smart. And And it really used to, like I used to, like once I found that out, imposter syndrome had no power over me. And I still use this to this day in my career. I have learned, take that smartest person in the room and ask them the simplest question. More often than not, they can't answer it because they have perfected sounding smart they have perfected um <laughs> practicing and rehearsing something that they've read on google but when you ask them to really explain it it's like uh, da, 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 da. and it's and it's it was so fun to me to just ask people questions and watch them fumble because no one had ever asked them actually like what are you talking about like I used to say what are you talking about I would literally say that in class and people would like chuckle and then you know when the person would be like well you know I'm I'm saying. I'm like, saying, I'm saying, no, you Googled, <laughs> you know, and I became the girl that was like, oh, Deshaun, go ask you a question. So you better know. But it also made people trust me because they knew if I had an answer, they knew it was the real answer because they knew I studied and found that answer. So it also made me kind of a reputable source, too, because I'm not going to ask you a question if I'm not gonna try to find the answer for myself as well. So I really became smart by asking questions. And, I, and like I said, it became my superpower because I realized a lot of people walking around here don't know what they're talking about. Like have no clue what they are saying, but they've just sounded smart so people will leave them alone. And I had a problem with that. So that really cured imposter syndrome for me at an early age, which is why I love talking about imposter syndrome. Because once I realized that questions were a superpower, <laughs> I was I was golden. I was golden in every class, every course. I was not afraid to ask questions because guess what? I knew the answer by the end of the day. And some people didn't. So, that was my thing.
0: <laughs> I'm sure everybody that's listening can hear like you're very articulate and you also have a very high energy level, which led to you getting into um public speaking. How did that how did that happen?
1: So, Believe it or not, I just found out in 2020, um, when I decided to really take public speaking to the next level. And I was talking to my mom. And she told me a story that I did not know. Apparently, my great grandmother used to be a public speaker in New Orleans. She was like the spokesperson of the block, which was what my mom said. And everyone would go to her if they needed assistance, if they needed awareness about something, or if they needed like an advocate. So that was like really cool because I feel like now it's in my DNA. So it gives you like this newfound confidence to just really speak your mind. But I, I, I've I, always been a person that, um, what's the word? um wanted to have a voice, and I think that also stemmed from the whole colorism issue. I felt like we were muted or we were afraid to speak up because the world told us we couldn't, Um, or the world said, oh, be quiet, you don't have anything to say, or, oh, no one's listening to you. And like I said, I like a little bit of a challenge. So I just became not obsessed, but I became real clear that no one was gonna one, silence me and two, I was gonna speak up because I had something to say. And it really manifested into public speaking when I um, graduated out of college, because as you can imagine being a black woman in STEM was still almost a quote unquote unicorn. And I hate to say it, but it was. So I started speaking on panels and speaking a lot when I graduated because it was still something that they were trying to get other students to want to be a part of. And like I said earlier, I was very, 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 um, very interested in making sure that we were breaking through that stereotypical narrative of what an engineer looked like or what a woman in STEM looked like. I was like, I have to you know, because I still like all of these things. And I, and I tell this story all the time. Actually, I just posted about it, about the two girls that really kind of, they changed my life. It's on my Instagram. But I did a panel in 2008. And I was actually on my way to another event. And I'm from D.C., so people in D.C., I mean, not from D.C., I live in D.C. So people in D.C. know when you kind of doing a lot in D.C., you kind of just have to dress for the day. So <laughs> I was really dressed for another event, but I did the panel first. Um, so I'm not even going to lie, y'all. I'm going to set the picture. I was going to a, a bougie formal event. So, of course, I had on Louboutins and Gucci and all of other stuff because that's what that event. It was like a bougie event. So you want to, you know, look the part um but i did the panel first and afterwards i was getting ready to leave and these two young girls came up and they were like we have questions and, you know the teacher was like well can you say just a couple more a second they really 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 want to ask you this questions and i'm like okay sure like it's fine and they rush over to me and like i kid you not 25 students rush after them so i'm like oh goodness i didn't say something probably crazy in this panel and they probably cuz you know i get to talking and they were like so who are you married to and i was like huh they were like, who who are you married to? Because we ain't ever seen nobody coming here looking like you. I mean, you got on Gucci and stuff and only NFL wives wear that. So who are you married to? And I was like, oh, okay. And before I could even get my answer out, um, another student goes, well, she's she's not married. I can tell because she's smart. And you know, guys don't really like smart women. And wow. I was like, Wow. That's my, that was my face. Jay, I was like, wait, what? And that's when I realized, okay, Deshaun, this ain't for play no more. Like these girls literally have never seen anyone outside of the stereotype. And mind you, they didn't have a million of these career days or engineer come speak. But for some reason, no one has ever gravitated their interest because they've only seen this one thing. And that's when it really stuck for me that diversity was really deeper than just, you know, our skin tone and our gender. They had never even seen anybody that they wanted to be, regardless if they were black or a woman, nothing was in, like, nothing was interesting to them at all. And I was like, okay, I have to take this serious. Like, this is no longer a game. Like I could really change the trajectory of somebody's life just by showing up my authentic self, like not even on some, I got to be extra, just being me could change the trajectory of somebody else because they get to see something that they have never seen before in a different light. So of course I had to get those girls together real quick and let them know, you know, you know, this is, this is not, I'm not a unicorn, we exist. We are a multifaceted people. You can like engineering and like all of these other great things. You don't have to pick, there is no or. Um, But I really decided to take public speaking very seriously because I realized how the world had been very unbalanced and people with the voice that were speaking up were still only representing a small percentage of what it really was. Um, and I, I really took it serious after that because there was no way I wanted a student to say that again or feel like that's the only thing they could be in order to have the things they want. And I and I say this and I say this with like full transparency, I may have engaged them for the wrong reason, but they would stay for the right reason, mm-hmm. right? I may have engaged them with the, oh, she got Gucci and Prada and flashy, I get it, whatever. But once you get there and you realize the possibilities and the lives you change and the things you can create and the impact you can have and change, you will stay. And I was like, if I have to do that, I'll take that charge. Right. If I have to sit up here and wear my good shoes to a presentation just so you can say, hmm, that's different. You know, that's fine. I will take that charge because. You have to see something different so that you can make a uniform decision on what you want to be. You cannot continue to see the same type of person come in here and tell you about STEM and you're bored. And then, you know, and 10 years later, well, students aren't, aren't gravitating to STEM anymore. And it's like, well, why, why do you think so? Is it really diverse? Are you showing them the same thing? Is it attractive? right? Are you really telling the full story, right? That's why I'm really glad that we're in this this state now where we're, quote unquote, bringing our full selves to work. I mean, it's like about time because who we are is good enough, right? Who we are was always good enough, but for some reason, we tried to assimilate so much that we kind of forgot exactly who we were and what actually made us happy. So I know that's a long-winded answer. However, that is exactly why I really started to, you know like i said public speaking for real and i think that's why people gravitate to me because i'm a great balance between bringing your full self to work and also bring your full self to work i say to life to everything but also still educating you on being more as well because a lot of people talk we hear information all the all the time we have information because we're you know we're a product of the information age but I'm a speaker that's like, okay, but what do we do with all that stuff? How do you take that and actually turn that into something tangible? How do you take all of this information and actually make an impact with it? How do you take what you learn and decide for yourself what's the best path for you to take? That's kind of the approach I take because that's what I needed when I was growing up. I don't need nobody to tell me to answer, but I need you to help me think to my answer because it's going to look different for everybody else. So that's my, my spiel on speaking.
0: Do you think companies are doing a good job of recruiting minorities for STEM careers?
1: So let's really talk about what that means, right? Um, Yes and no. Um, And it really depends on the company. There There is no real true answer I can give, except they are, of course, recruiting talent, but I think they're recruiting talent from just places that they feel are safe. Um, I always call it the big five. They have the big five of HBCUs that everybody goes to because they have seen consistent results from the big five. I remember I had a mentee who was so upset and I hope she, hope she listens to this podcast because she was sitting at an orientation from a Fortune 500 company, which I will not name. And one of the CEOs got up and said, you know, you guys are really, really bright students and we are committed to helping create more um, equipped um, African-Americans in STEM. We're gonna help, you know, build the workforce. We're gonna help create more equipped um, students. And you may hear that and say, oh, that's, that's nice of her. But the students were so offended. And the students were offended in the audience because they're like, we don't need you to create us. We're right here. You you just need to be aware of where we are, right? Because believe it or not, there are some people that think the big five are are the only schools that produce stellar students in STEM. Okay, and that's the issue.
0: Can I, can I stop you? Because I'm sure Absolutely. I can't be the only one wondering.
1: <laughs> So the big five, and that's my big five. I've worked for a couple of companies and these are always the HBCUs that are on their talent acquisition list, right? It's okay. Howard, mm-hmm. it's Hampton, it's a um, Florida A&M, no, Florida. Yeah, Florida A&M, FAMU, and Georgia Tech. No, not Georgia Tech. Um, is it Morehouse? I want to say it might be Morehouse. Don't quote me on that. But those are the schools they always go to for and morehouse is wrong i'm sorry i gotta give you that fifth school it's on tip of my tongue it actually may be morehouse but those are the schools they always go to for STEM talent right and if you go to any school and they have like their top five hbcus they go to i guarantee at least four of those schools i named is always going to be on that list because those are the schools you know there are great schools in engineering but those are the schools that they're aware of um. believe it or not there are some people that still think, oh, these are the only schools that produce talent. Like I said, I went to Norfolk State. Norfolk State is usually not on that list. We are getting better because more awareness is, is becoming you know, what we do, but we're typically not on that list. So while that CEO, her heart was in the right place, she very much so offended the other students in the audience that went to other schools because they took it as, oh, you're saying that this talent does not exist, and you have to you have to create it. We're telling you the talent is already here. You just need to be aware of it and go where it is. And that is a is an issue I think is very prevalent among a lot of corporations. They don't go to those smaller schools, and they have no idea that that STEM talent is there as well because they just don't have that awareness. So that's why I would probably give them a C minus on recruiting, is because they recruit to the same colleges over and over and over again.
0: Um, Do you also think it's a problem with the with the communication because 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 they're not because maybe they're not used to interacting with black, you know, with blacks? Because because I'm going to be honest, when I listened to it, I didn't I didn't immediately get offended. But when once you start explaining it, then I understood why people was offended. And and she probably could have felt the same way.
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't think her 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 words were, were meant to be demeaning but it was more of a, let me create something that doesn't exist. And they're like, we are here. Like I I sit on the board for the National Society of Black Engineers, there are so many of us, (laughs) right? So to hear someone say, oh, we wanna be a part of the process that helps create more black talent. It's like, nah sis, you just need to to go to organizations like Nesby. they're they're right here. They've always been right here. You know, It's over what, 200,000 people in this organization, they're here. But that's, like I said, that is part of the whole awareness problem, right? It's that awareness of how do we make sure that they are aware of all of these other schools, which is, which I feel like is a lot of the the reasons why people really don't know that they exist, right? Now, of course, we can give you X number of reasons why they can just Google and find these schools, but I also think it's up to, to us and especially organizations like National Society of Black Engineers to make sure we are we're communicating, like you said, exactly what we are doing and showcasing our talent. But these corporations also have to be open to going outside of the top five. And I will tell you, from working with a lot of corporations, some of them were very hesitant. They wanted to go where they knew the quote-unquote results would be yielding. Um, but sometimes you have to go a little bit beyond just what you're always comfortable with so that you can see that there is talent that lies. But we have to be vocal about it, right? It's the same reason, James, why we could talk about all the great stuff that Norfolk State does and no one will ever know, but someone can get shot at the 7-Eleven in front of the school that has absolutely nothing to do with the school and that will make the Channel 6 news and they'll put Norfolk State name in it. Mm. It's always a communications issue right? We had a, a stem cell research award. No one knows about that in Norfolk State. But like I said, someone could have got robbed at the corner store across the street that had nothing to do with Norfolk State, and it'll be blasted on the headlines, Norfolk State shooting, blah, 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 blah. So it's also a, a just the inherent problem of education we have, where we, we want to share false narratives, we want to share things that may not be 100% accurate when we really need to start sharing the information that is more accurate about what we're doing so that people like the CEO are aware of places to go for good students and not just always the top 5. So it's 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 an ongoing cycle of miscommunication to be honest.
0: Do you think do you think we do a, a good job ourselves of promoting STEM careers like within our own community like the people who actually have stem careers do you think do you think we're doing a good job of promoting stem and letting you know letting the um, people coming behind us know like hey there's a good career you can do this you could be an engineer just letting them know the, op- the different opportunities that's available
1: we are we are now but of course we can always do better but we definitely are but it also goes back to the whole authentic self conversation that I had earlier. I'm gonna be perfectly honest, Gen Z, they can see through it. They can see through the fake and the phoniness and the someone who's, they can see, they just can see through it. So you can have a panel of of well deserving African Americans with STEM careers and they can sit up there and look at you like, what are you even talking about? If they smell inauthentic, like that, they smell that inauthentic nature in you. And that's why that whole bringing your full self, I, I said, is, is no longer a luxury. It is like something we have to do for the sake of our workforce, because they're not being attracted to these careers if they're not seeing anything that is actually attractive about it, right? And one thing I see on a lot of panels is a lot of people, especially in STEM, they, they don't know how to really talk to the audience that's in front of them. They've gotten so used to corporate presentations and corporate, they get to these collegiate panels and middle school panels and they talk the same way. That is not how you engage someone in engineering. You're not talking to a colleague, right? You're, And it's not saying you have to quote unquote talk to a child, but I'm saying talk to the person like a person. Like you can be yourself. You don't have to put on your, you know, when I was, I do this all the time. You don't have to do all of that all of the time to get your voice, your voice across because I've sat on these panels and I'm one of those people, I can read a room. I look at the students going, this is boring and start to do something else or it's not, you know, it's not even captivating their attention and people still continue to do what they want to do. So yes, people are speaking out more. I will say in 2020, I saw an influx of people really being honest about their careers and really saying, know, oh, this is what it is. And that has gotten so much more interest than people just pretending that everything is okay. But I will be honest, Generation Z observes. They observe more than they hear. Uh, hear my heart when I say they observe way more than they hear and what I mean by that is you cannot sit up here and sell this pretty picture of engineering and all this other stuff but then go home and complain about your job every day <laughs> or tweet about your job every day or or go home and say man I can't stand my bo-. you can't, they're like okay well I don't want to do this right like I literally I work I'm, I sit on this this advisory for getting more diversity in the workforce. And they're like, well, how can we get more people to be teachers? I said, well, first change the narrative about teachers. Every time we turn on the news or we hear someone talk, what do they say, James, about teachers? They're underrepresented, underpaid, right, and underutilized. So please tell me what student is going to hear that and say, please sign me up to be underpaid, underutilized, and underrepresented. No one So first change the narrative in your own life or in your own world before you try to retain or retract someone to be in it. And that's the same thing with STEM. Change the narrative around it internally. How about you be happy with your job first before you try to attract someone to come doing what you're doing? Because Generation Z sees through it. You cannot sell them on something that they see you unhappy in, right? So... To me, you have to not only bring your full authentic selves, but make sure when you're sitting on these panels and you're telling everybody why you love your job, you really love your job for that reason. It's not just a skit or a script that you're saying because it sounds nice to people, right? To me, that's how you change the narrative and you really attract people into STEM by really liking what you do, like really liking it.
0: I'm going to back up to something that you said when you were talking to the women because i think it peak it definitely piqued my interest and I'm sure it piqued some other people's interest. and you 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 blaze by kind of fast and i'm gonna back you up you <laughs> said when you was talking to the women right you said one of the, the one of the women said that men don't like smart women do you do you think men do you think men are intimidated by your intelligence
1: so it was a student she was probably high school, that said that. Um, James, why are you trying to trigger me this evening with this question? (laughs) I was doing real good. Um, I, I don't think... The best way I can answer that question is a person will be intimidated by whatever a person is intimidated by. And I say that to mean... I I find it very hard to think in good conscience that someone is intimidated by my intelligence. That to me is just something I don't want to believe. But I do believe that people have insecurities that they project based on what they think the other person needs, wants, and desires. So I'm never going to say, oh, this person's intimidated by me. No, they're intimidated. By what, like, by me because of my intelligence. No, you're just intimidated, period. Right? Okay. You can insert any adjective or whatever in place, but I don't think I, I try not to say that someone's intimidated by my intelligence. If you intimidate it, you just intimidate it. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing, you know, you could insert anything in there, but I think we need to, to I don't like, oh, put it like this. I know it may have been confusing what I was saying because I was really, really, really trying to say it as nicely as I as I possibly could. But what I really want to get at is I try not to generalize things like that because I hate when people do it back. a person that is intimidated by intelligence will be intimidated by intelligence i don't think men specifically are intimidated by my intelligence if that person was not just intimidated already in general yes that made that even 10 times more confusing to you but that is my (laughs) answer and that's what i'm gonna leave with because intimidation is an internal struggle it's an internal issue right intimidated men are intimidated period yeah
0: that's true <laughs> I, I will not disagree with you on that. That,
1: that. That's just that particular type of person is intimidated. It just doesn't matter what what that intimidation is. Today it could be intelligence. Tomorrow it could be who knows what. But that is a a, a behavioral thing, not an overgeneralization for men.
0: Now you have the you have the Boone speaks the Boone Productions, your, your career engineering, and your councilwoman. With all that that you have on your plate, what excites you moving forward?
1: The unknown. Believe it or not, the unknown. I used to be so fearful of the unknown, and now I welcome it. Because there is a little bit of a truth to um, kind of the whole what God has for you will never pass you. And if you surrender, you know, it'll be even greater than what you've ever imagined I'm starting to believe that the more and more I surrender to what I think I should be doing or what I thought I should be doing by now. So I'm very excited about the, okay, what's going to happen next, right? I'm following these steps. What's going to happen next in my life? Because if you would have said I was going to be a councilwoman when I was 18, I would have laughed in your face and said, haha, never, right? I told you when I was 17, I wanted to be a music video director because I wanted to make sure we casted dark skinned women in videos that was that was about as, as as lit as I wanted to be and now I have not one but two degrees right in engineering, so I am very excited about just what the unknown will be if I follow what I believe is my calling and my purpose in this particular season. Um, and I meant what I said about the whole authenticity and creating the creating the narrative you want. I really mean that in my life as well, right? If I sit on a panel and I feel like, you know what, I'm talking about my job, but this is not really exciting me anymore. I really want to have that same power and that same, that same zeal to go ahead and change my narrative as well, right? I don't wanna just talk about being a great engineer. I want to be a great engineer all the time. So I'm very, very, very optimistic about what the future holds, despite all the craziness um, (laughs) we have in this world right now. But that's what really, that's really what I think is the benefit of peace and joy. It's to be completely like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. But it's that peace and joy to say, but it will work out for for the good of all concerned. Um, And that excites me. And it's being able to use my voice in a way that serves for the good. um, Like I said, of all concerned. And I'm very, very optimistic about that because I do feel like, and I hate this word because we have just really taken this word to, to a whole new level. I hate influence, but I really do hope that God uses me to influence in a positive, impactful way. And I'm learning the more I surrender and kind of do what he tells me, I I literally pay attention to the influence that I have, and I do not take it lightly. Um, So I'm super excited about what I will create and what I will impact um, as I continue to surrender in my purpose. So that's pretty cool.
0: I want to take this time to thank you for doing this. Um, It's truly been an honor and a pleasure talking with you, like I said, after watching the YouTube video. I was really excited to reach out and was hoping you replied with a yes and you did. And <laughs> it was a great conversation. And I also want to say congratulations on all your accomplishments and and also for setting example for Black, Blacks in general, but especially Black women, because I know my wife is in, in the same career. So I know how underrepresented you ladies are. So Ooh. I want to thank you for being an example and I wish you all the best moving forward with the Boom Speaks, Boom Productions, your engineer career, and also your councilwoman career.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And I hope I didn't confuse everybody a little too much. I'm a little tired today, but I really do um, appreciate the time to talk. And I really do hope that someone learns something valuable from my story, but that's why we have stories. And that's why it's so important to stand on your story um, and not always talk while you're standing in it. So... That's my
0: piece. Make sure before we end, make sure we let the people know how they can follow you and how they can also, you know, get in touch with you on Facebook, you know, on social media, and things like that.
1: Sure. Um, my Instagram is at Boom Speaks. That is where I'm at all of the time. Um, that is literally my primary um, social media platform of choice. Um, but if LinkedIn is your thing, I'm also on LinkedIn, Deshaun Joseph, but I, I, I pretty much keep it to those two. Um, I try not to do too much social media if that's a word, um, for my own peace and joy. Um, but at Boom Speaks on Instagram and of course LinkedIn, just search my name.
0: All right. Again, I thank you for doing this and I truly appreciate you um, taking the time to do this. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. And my Facebook is also Conversations With Lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.